Welcome to the Willow Ridge Sermons Podcast. This is where you can find audio from Sunday morning messages and more. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss future episodes, and thanks for listening. Well, good morning. If you will, get your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we'll be spending most of our time uh, this morning. Uh, But I just want to let you know this. Y'all gave me some chills. As I was sitting over there in this last song, and all, I, all uh, Joel led us to do was just to hear your voices, just an, a sense of, I don't know what it was, but chills just, just ran across me, just to hear your voices as you sang and you praised the Lord. So thank you so much for your, your worship in song this morning. So while you're turning there, uh, I just want to highlight something that's coming up for us on Sunday, March the 10th at 9 o'clock in the morning. As we transition from our first set of discipleship studies over to our second set, uh, we're going to have some seminars uh, throughout the year. We're going to have four of them. And these seminars are going to kind of focus on some special topics. And uh, to, for Pastor Bo and whoever else is going to be teaching in those moments uh, to, to share some insights on that. So don't miss out on Sunday, March 10th at 9 o'clock. The first one that we're going to be looking at is why we are Baptists. Now that may shock a few of you that don't realize that we're a Southern Baptist church, but Pastor Bo is going to break that down. Why we're Baptists, what we believe doctrinally, uh, missionally, how does that affect us, uh, our partnerships that we have in ministry as well. So it's going to be a great time. It'll be right here in the auditorium. So we'll invite everybody to come uh, as we share and talk together on who we are as Baptists. So as you got there in your scripture, if you would, join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the stillness of the moment. Thank you for calling us into your presence to come and to worship you in one voice, as one family. And Father, just pray now that you just guide us through your word. Help us to have ears to hear your voice and the eyes to see your words through your scriptures. Lord, may we walk away from here this morning having a truth that you have given us uh, to affect who we are and to follow you in obedience. So, Father, we love you and we thank you. And we ask your blessings on our time together. We ask this prayer in your name. Amen. So, our scripture this morning, as I said, is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. But before we get there, I want to read, first of all, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. You see, Paul has written three letters in this area, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. He wrote 1 and 2 Timothy to Timothy, who was a pastor, and then he wrote Titus, who is also a pastor, to give them some pastoral guidance as they serve and minister and pastor the churches that are under their care. So Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Just in that very beginning greeting, Paul opens up to you and I who are readers today of who God is, that he is our Savior, and who Jesus is, he is our hope. He goes on to say to Timothy, to Timothy, My true child in the faith. Now, this is very significant because what Paul is saying here is that he has had an effect and been a part of Timothy's conversion to the Lord as his personal Lord and Savior. Then Paul goes on to say, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Those words are very important for Timothy to hear. Grace, mercy, and peace. Because as a pastor, as a young pastor, he is facing some hardships in leading the congregation that he's leading. He's facing some difficulties even within himself and the confidence that he has within himself. And then Paul goes on to lay out all kinds of things in his letters, in his letter to Timothy. Chapters 1 all the way leading up to where we're going to look at this morning. He's laying all kinds of things out for him, instructions to, to be aware of, things to look for, and how to, to govern his own self. So in verse 6 through 10, we read these words. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have hope set on the living God. Because our hope is set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Train yourself for godliness. Say that with me. Train yourself for godliness. Life isn't easy, is it? Paul knew the struggles that Timothy was facing, and so he sent him this letter to give him guidance and to help him understand what it was that he was working through, to give him encouragement in his walk with the Lord because of the challenges he faced in his life and in his ministry. Life isn't easy, is it? We can identify with that. Relationships aren't easy. Marriage isn't easy. Parenting isn't easy at any stage of life. Occupations aren't easy. Making life decisions aren't easy. Being young isn't easy. Being middle-aged isn't easy. And being old isn't easy. All through these stages of life that we experience, God is present for those who call him their Lord and Savior. You see, God knows that life is hard and burdensome for us at times. He doesn't shut himself off from us. What he desires to do is opposite of that. He desires to engage with our lives. And he desires for you and I to engage with him. When life isn't easy for you, and when life is easy for you, have you been in training? Have you trained yourself for godliness? Are you ready? Training is the preparation needed for a Christian to navigate life on this earth and to prepare for his or her eternal life in the presence of God. Train yourself for godliness. This was the encouragement and the insight that the Apostle Paul gave the young pastor Timothy. This is also the encouragement and the instruction that God wants you and I to hear for our own lives. See, that's why God's Word is living and active because what Timothy, what Paul wrote to Timothy back then, God writes for you and I today, for you and I to apply in our life, for you and I to hear the words of God and to follow it. Before we read these few lines that Paul writes in the midst of this letter, I want us to look at some things that we discover in 1st and 2nd Timothy. 
we see some things about who Timothy is. And we see the relationship that Paul and Timothy have together, but we also see the instruction. I think it's important for you and I to kind of get that whole look of who Timothy is, as well as the relationship. It's described in First and Second Timothy, well, mainly in Second Timothy, that Timothy's faith was sincere and genuine. That Timothy's face was shaped by his grandmother and his mother's faith. From childhood, Timothy's life was shaped by the scriptures. Timothy was a young pastor leading the church under his care. And we also see that Timothy was set apart for ministry when his gifts were recognized by others and when the elders laid hands on him. So we kind of understand the faith and who Timothy is when we simply read the letters of 1st and 2nd Timothy from Paul. But we also get to see their relationship, a very close relationship. As I said earlier, Paul played a significant role in leading Timothy to Christ. There was the understanding that Timothy had by living with a godly mother and a godly grandmother and how that shaped his life. But there came a time when Paul entered into his life and was significant in his faith and also in guiding his spiritual development. We also discovered that Paul prayed constantly night and day for Timothy. And Paul and Timothy had a deep relationship. In 2 Timothy 1-4, through Paul writes this, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. So you hear the closeness Paul has with Timothy. That's why so many today, when we talk about mentoring, look at the relationship that Paul has with Timothy, because there's such a close relationship, but more importantly, there is a God-guided relationship in that. Timothy follows Paul's example, and Paul reminded Timothy of the importance of Scripture. But also, Timothy was one among the team that Paul had surrounding him to do ministry. Some of the things we see that Paul points out to Timothy is this. Look out for false teachers. That Timothy, you are in a battle of your faith. To offer supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving for all people. That man's relationship with God comes through Jesus Christ. How people should conduct themselves in church. These are all the things that in this short two letters that Paul sends to Timothy that he covers. He continues says. He leads Timothy to be aware of who should be overseers and deacons in the church. In this one little line, he gives him the idea and the purpose of the church. In, in 1 Timothy 3.15, he says, Paul says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of the living God. A pillar and buttress of truth. A pillar and foundation of truth, Paul says to Timothy, is what the church is all about. He says, be ready to confront the issues of those who are turning away from the faith. Don't get caught up in meaningless conversations. He even tells Timothy people that he needs to avoid. How he should conduct himself before the people and how to talk to people. How widows should be cared for. And on and on and on in this small two letters, Paul points out all these things for Timothy. But he also points out to Timothy of how he needs to work on his own relationship with God. He also points out to Timothy how he needs to be reminded of his faith in God. 
So let's look at 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10 again. Say it with me. Train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. It's important for you and I to soak that in, to take that in. Because right here in the midst of this letter that Paul sent to Timothy, he points that out to him. Verse 6 says, If you put these things, referring to all the things that are written up until this point, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained. There he goes using that word. One of the things to understand why, why Paul uses this verbiage here is in Ephesus where, where Timothy is located, there's this massive coliseum that holds one, 100,000 people. And so athletics was a big thing in the city of Ephesus. And so he's pinpointing that for Timothy. Being trained literally means nourishing yourself in. When you look at the Greek understanding, the word trained there means nourishing yourself in. Nourish yourself in the words of the faith. Paul knew about Timothy's faith. Paul knew that Timothy would have an understanding of what he meant, that he would train and nourish himself in the words of the faith that he had heard. But he also says, and of the good doctrine that you have followed. I didn't think I would ever say these words, that I'm thankful for over 30 plus years that my, the English that I took in high school would finally help me out in reading Scripture. Because words in the Scripture are so important. The words that are placed there before other words, they're not just there for good looks. They're there for a purpose. And we see that in God's Word. Paul says to Timothy, good doctrine that you have followed. Because in the very first chapter, or very first part of the letter, 1 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, look out for false teachers. Be aware of the false doctrine. Timothy, know what good doctrine is. Which causes me to think this for you and I. Remember your faith and remember what you believe. Remember your faith and remember what you believe. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Timothy, you got it right there. You've heard it since you were a child. Remember it. Remember your faith. Remember what you believe. You and I need to nourish ourselves on the Scripture. We need to eat it up. We need to allow it to soak into our lives so that when we hear things that aren't of our faith, we know it. As the years have passed, you and I have already seen that there's false doctrines out there. You and I have already seen that there's truths that people want to say that are, are contradictory to Scripture, but yet they want us to believe that it is Scripture. So you and I have to believe the truths of God's Word. You and I have to believe the doctrines that are there. I'm so grateful that we as a church have started this, this journey in, in our discipleship studies. I'm grateful that Pastor Bo has decided to do a doctrinal study to go through and so that you and I who engage in that, we learn about what we believe in our faith. Not only Pastor Bo, but also the co-leaders that have led with him, but also our other leaders and our small group leaders who have taken upon themselves to lead you and I through Scripture, to lead you and I to understand what God's Word is and how it applies to our life. 
Remember your faith and remember what you believe through the discipline of nourishing yourself on the Word of God. He says there in verse 7, he says, Now, Timothy, after you do this, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Nothing to do. I think you and I kind of get an understanding, probably what, what Paul is saying here about irreverent, silly myths. For Timothy, it was the things that they wanted to talk about that had no relationship to God whatsoever. It was the things of their culture, the conversations of their culture that they tried to make look like the doctrines and the truths of God's Word, but they were not. And Paul is warning Timothy to not to deal with it, to do nothing with it. For you and I, that means to stay away from false teachings, false doctrine, and useless conversations. You know, there's people out there that want to pull you into the conversations about Scripture when really their agenda is not to learn what God's truth is, but to, to kind of share what their thoughts are. You see, our thoughts have to line up with what God's Word is all about. You and I need to stay away, just as Paul says to Timothy, from false teachings, false doctrine, and useless conversations. You see, in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he says, Again, 2 Timothy 2, verses 6 through 17. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. In verse 17, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Now, I've not heard that word for quite some time, but I remember what gangrene is. Once it gets in your body, it begins to spread. And it has a bad effect on your body. It destroys your body. Paul is saying here, listen, once you get into the midst of it, and once you listen to the talk, it'll spread like gangrene. It'll wreck your life. It'll wreck what you believe. You and I have to know the Scriptures in order to avoid listening to people who don't know what they're talking about. When it comes to the things of God, Paul warned Timothy, have nothing to do with it, avoid it. Be on guard because it would lead to ungodliness. And then the second thing he brings out in this verse is what we've heard and what you've shared and said with me is train yourself for godliness. He gets to the point and he says to Timothy, Timothy, train yourself. You know what it means by training, Timothy. Train yourself for godliness. R. Kent Hughes writes, What is so important to note here is that train yourself for godliness in its context primarily refers to training ourselves in and by the Scriptures for the purpose of godliness. Our diet is to be the Scriptures, and we are to exercise ourselves in them. We will become godly only through the most godly book ever written God's own word. And then in 2 Timothy 2, 7, Paul says this. He says, Timothy, think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over what I say. Timothy, you've heard me talk about the truths and the doctrines of our faith. Think over them. Process them. Meditate on them. Let them go around and around in your mind and soak them in, Timothy. Timothy. 
is because it will give you understanding in everything. I believe folks don't understand what Paul is saying here because they've never given opportunity to read God's Word over and over and over again. There is no understanding because there is no engagement in understanding what God's Word says. But Paul says to Timothy, think over it and you will gain understanding in everything of life. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 9, the second part of that verse, Paul says, For the word of God is not bound. Timothy, God's word is not limited. Timothy, things of your faith, the truths of God, they're not limited. They're not bound. They will have an impact in your life. There is nothing that will hold back the effectiveness of God through his word in our lives as we read it, as we obey it, and as we live it out. And then in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, very familiar words we've probably heard in reference to God's Word. Paul says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. For here's this idea again, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, that is a type of effectiveness God's Word has in your life and in my life, as he shares with Timothy. And then over in Titus 1.1, Paul says this, Paul is servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Then in 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul teaches Timothy that he has to look no further than Jesus when it comes to knowing and understanding godliness. Jesus is the key. He says, great indeed we confess in the mystery of godliness. He, being Jesus Christ, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Timothy, look at Christ. Timothy, look at the life and the teachings of Jesus. Godliness is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Who do we look towards to know that godliness is? Jesus. His example, his teachings. Just look at the Gospels. Spend some time in your life over a certain period of time looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see what Jesus says. See his engagement with people. Look at the parables. Everything that you will see, you will understand who Jesus is, but you and I will also understand who we're to be and therefore following the godliness of what is, what is said there. Warren Wiersbe wrote, When I see high school football squads and baseball teams going through their calisthenics under the hot summer sun, I am reminded that there are spiritual exercises that I ought to be doing. Prayer. Meditation, self-examination, fellowship, service, sacrifice, submission to the will of others, witness. All of these can assist me through the Spirit to become a more godly person. Paul goes on there in verse 8. For while bodily, bodily training is of some value, recently I was reminded of that. <laughs> 
Back in June, after a visit with my doctor, it became very clear that I needed to change some habits in my life. Those habits need to consist of diet and a need to consist of exercise. You see, I had six food groups in my life. I know candy and junk food is not listed among them, but for David Allen, it was a six food group, and I really enjoyed it. But when you do that over 20 plus years, it has a tendency to affect your health and your life. And so after that visit with the doctor, I was like, all right, Lord, you got to help me with this because you know I love my candy and you know I love my tater chips. You see, bodily training is of some value and it has been for me. What Paul says to Timothy is this, and, and Paul knew that Timothy would recognize this. He knew because he, Timothy has seen all these Olympic athletes preparing themselves for whatever competition that they were going to engage in. And he knew how much intensity they put into it. And so for, for Timothy to hear those words, it, it went on with a whole big meaning there. And then Paul says to Timothy, Godliness is a value in every way. Godliness is a value in every way. For folks that think that God's word has nothing to do with our lives and can't apply it and can't make any effect in our life, they don't know because they don't read. Godliness is a value in every way. And listen to this. Paul says, as it holds promise for the present life, for this life right now, in this very moment, for your life in the next hour, for your life in the next week, the next month, the next year, however long, God allows your life to expand. It says, in every moment, it holds promise for your life. Paul doesn't stop there, he says, and also for the life to come the life and the presence of God, your Savior. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. For you and I, godliness will have a profound impact on every aspect of your life. Godliness will have a profound impact on every aspect of your life. Godliness, as you pursue it, will impact your relationships for the good. Godliness will impact your attitude for the good. Godliness will impact your actions for the good. Do you remember, remember last month when I was a challenge, you and I as a church family, we read through Proverbs together, and then each Sunday, Pastor Bo would preach on those Proverbs. To summarize, we basically discovered what an unrighteous life looks like, and what a righteous life looks like. In Proverbs, we saw how many benefits there are for you and I to live our life in God's way. You see, godliness will have unexplainable benefits now in this life and unimaginable eternal benefits for us yet to experience and see in eternity. It is valuable in every way. And to reinforce that thought of verse 8, Paul says in verse 9, the saying, referring back to verse 8, the saying is trustworthy. 
Timothy and deserving of full acceptance. Timothy, trust it. Hold on to it. Accept it in its entirety. You and I need to trust the pursuit and outcome of godliness. Trust the pursuit and outcome of godliness. It has to be a pursuit of yours and, yours and mine. You and I need to approach it like a, a top-tier athlete would approach whatever it is that, that he's in, he or she is involved in. You and I, as, who are to be students of God's Word, should approach that with intensity. That we don't take God's Word lightly. That we don't just pick it up on occasions that we pursue it, we dive into it. The pursuit of godliness keeps the Christ follower in step with God. And that is what God's desire is for you and I, to be in step with Him. And then Paul wraps it up with Timothy by saying this, For to this end we toil and strive. Timothy, keep pushing forward. Timothy, don't give up. Timothy, don't throw in the towel. No matter when life gets hard, no matter when it's hard to lead, no matter when you don't have the confidence you need, keep toiling, keep striving, keep moving forward because we have our hope set on the living God. I don't know if you like to underline in your Bible, if you like to highlight in your Bible, I do. And this is definitely one of those phrases. Our hope set on the living God. Our hope is not set on ourselves. It's not set on our achievement or the knowledge that we obtain. Our hope is not set on a relationship that we look towards or, or somebody that impacts our life greatly. Our hope is not set on that. But for as a believer who testifies that Christ is Lord and Savior of their life, our hope is set on the living God. Paul says, who is the Savior of all people. Now you and I can't misunderstand what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying that God is going to save all the human race. What Paul is saying here is God is the Savior of those who choose to call Him Lord and Savior. Because he follows it up by saying, especially of those who believe. In Romans, you and I see that we are to confess and believe and our God as Savior and Lord. So you and I need to fix our eyes on God and to set our hope on God. Anytime I see that word in Scripture, it just it gives me this visual of, of like, you know, the horse that has these, these guards on its eyes. It can't look to the right or to the left. It only can look straight ahead because it doesn't want to be distracted on what's out to the right and what's out to the left. And I know in my own life, when I am fixed looking straight ahead, for me, the Holy Spirit reminds me of this when I'm in traffic. When I'm coming down Interstate 20 or I'm going through any of the construction on 20 or 26, David, fix your eyes ahead because some people didn't really understand driver training. They may, even, they may have passed with the, the Department of Transportation, but don't look like they were listening very well. 
And God says, David, fix. Because when I, I look to my right and I look to my left in those moments, sometimes the ungodly wants to rear its ugly head. And the Holy Spirit says, David, no, that's not who you are. Fix your eyes on God. Set your hope on him. That is the only place that we set our hope. We hold tight to our faith and we battle in this life, not giving up and throwing in the towel because our hope is set on the living God. In season and out of season, always train yourself for godliness. God will be pleased and glorified in your life. Will you pray with me? God, it's very simple what, what you share with us in, our, in your word. Sometimes we, we make it more difficult than what it really is. So Lord, as your followers, help us to take the truths of your word, meditate on them, apply them, obey them, live them out. Lord, help us to be people that do train ourselves in godliness. To be the very image that you desire for us to be, which is who you are. Lord, life isn't easy and you know that, but I am grateful and thankful that you walk with us every step of the way. That you know our sadness, you know our joys. You know our failures, you know our successes. And Lord, you desire to be right there in the midst of life as we experience it. So Lord, draw us close to you. Draw us in relationship with you and continue to help us to work out and to exercise our faith in you. Lord, we ask this prayer in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check back next week for another episode. In the meantime, you can visit us at willowridgechurch.org or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.